Bruce Wayne. You said that like it explains why there's a total stranger in my place, sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair. Tell me about this. This is a person who looks exactly like me, but who is definitely not me. Very attractive Jewish boy. Somebody who, I don't know, stole your pocket watch or railroads. I know you have abilities. I just don't know what they are. My special skills include uh, viola, uh, web design, fluent in sign language, guerrilla sign language. Silica-based quartz sand fabric, abrasion resistant, heat resistant. Uh, yeah, I do competitive ice dancing. What they use on the space shuttle to prevent it from burning up on re-entry. I do very competitive ice dancing. Whoever you're looking for, it's not. Batman. So you're fast. That feels like an oversimplification. I'm putting together a team. People with special abilities. You see, I believe enemies are coming. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Yeah. I, I need friends. People are d difficult. They require a lot of focus. They, uh, they have like a rhythm that I haven't quite been able to... Like brunch. Like, what is brunch? You wait in line for an hour for essentially lunch. I mean, I don't know. People are a little slow. I'll try to keep up. Can I keep this? It's like this layer of dimensional reality and it seems to manipulate space-time. I call it the speed force. It caused me to burn a tremendous amount of calories, so I am just a black hole of snacks. I am a snack hole. How many people? on this special fight team. Three, including you. Three? Against what? I'll tell you on the plane. Plane? What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. I like that. Would you be okay with rich being your superpower? Like, yeah, I think we would. It is interesting, now work with me here. Some superheroes really do have superpowers, like the Flash, right? I, I like that scene. I mean, when, when the Batarang comes flying at him, right, it's in slow motion and he can see it. He even looks at Bruce Wayne, puts two and two together, then he catches it. He actually has superpowers. But some superheroes have superpower because of something external, like cool technology, like Batman. Batman's cool and all, but Batman's got a Batmobile and a bat jet and a bat suit and a bat orang, right? He's got bat everything. That, that's what makes it work for him. Well, I have found that churches can actually be the same way. Some churches really do have 
superpower. But some just look like they do because of something external. Maybe like cool technology. Maybe it's a, a good system of operation. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that it has to be one or the other. Technology doesn't have to negate superpower, but it can mask the absence of superpower. It can run like a well-oiled machine, and what I've discovered is that machines make people happy. They, they communicate with accuracy. They deliver what is demanded, but machines can't be churches because churches are built on relationship, and it's out of relationship that comes superpower. It is my experience that when you listen to what people sometimes complain about, which is usually indicates what they care about, sometimes it feels like people would rather have a machine that meets their own needs of value rather than be a church where out of the value they find in Jesus, they meet the needs of others. Hmm. All that from a clip of Batman and the Flash. Good morning. You made it. I'm glad you made it. Are you warming up a little bit? All right, doing okay? You should have warmed up a little bit when the Chiefs won, right? You guys frozen? Are you frozen? Are you awake? The Chiefs won. Did you know that? Yeah, you should be applauding. You haven't, you haven't been able to cheer for an AFC championship game in a long, long, long time, especially one at home, all right? Next week, they're playing. I'm, a, I'm just going for it. I'm saying I'm going to do my best between now and next Sunday to see the Adrian service move forward. I'm, I'm going to go for that because we can. I think Jesus will be at both, all right? So we're going to go. We're, we're going to try to go for that. Um, we should declare it Red Sunday next week or something. Wear your chief stuff. Have some fun. Um, I, hopefully that will make a little more sense as we work through today. We are in week two of a series called Superpower, thus the clip. And we're talking about superpower that is really at work in every real believer in Jesus. Our key verse that we are anchored to every single week is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So if you, did, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to find Galatians chapter 5 because we're going to be at least referring to this verse every week. I hope that by the time we're done, you can commit it actually to memory. It's one of those that, that you ought to know. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, this is what the text says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And every week... I want to make sure that we don't just fly past this huge truth. The source of the power is the Spirit. The source of the power is the Spirit. And when we say the Spirit, we're talking about God. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. He's not just a force. He's not an it. He is personal. And he dwells inside every real follower of Jesus. His presence means superpower. And today, 
the superpower that we're talking about is joy. Joy. Let's talk about it a little bit. When you hang around church, um, you tend to pretty, pretty quickly pick up on some fascinating trivia. All right? Trivia like, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Yeah, a bunch of you knew. I heard you. You said, what? Jesus wept. All right? We, we know. That, that's that's the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. John chapter 11, I think it's like verse 35. All right? In English, you're correct. But if you actually go to the Greek language, which was the original, all right, everything translates New Testament from the Greek, guess what? John chapter 11, verse 35 is not the shortest verse in the Bible. In the Greek language, the shortest verse in the Bible is actually 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, and this is the, the whopping message that comes from this verse, rejoice always. Now, I get it. In English, there are more letters here than there are in Jesus wept. I get it. But I'm saying in the Greek language, there are more letters in Jesus wept than there is this. Rejoice always. Now, shortest verse trivia will not change your life. The fact that you know that today, and some of you will walk away with great knowledge today because now you know the Greek shortest verse in the Bible. That will not change your life. But understanding what this little phrase actually means can change your life. Because when we would talk about rejoicing, when we talk about joy, and we see the word always, always, when I was a little kid in church, I remember singing this song that went something like, I am in right, out right, upright, down right. Anybody know it? Happy all the time. Anybody ever hear that? You ever heard when you were a little kid? When I was a little kid, I remember singing it in church. In right, out right, upright, down right, happy all the time. Now, none of us were, but we sang it, all right? We sang it. We, we were not happy all the time. And when we hear that, we go, well, nobody's, nobody's all the time. There, there is no joy always. I don't think that's natural. Well, that's exactly the point. It's not natural. But what we're talking about today is something supernatural. But in order to get this, we need to talk just for a couple of minutes about understanding the difference in happiness versus joy. Happiness versus joy. Happiness, look at the word, it's actually connected to what happens, all right? So when we talk about happiness, happiness is connected to the circumstances that are going on around you. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. What we're talking about today, joy in the Bible, is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is dependent on God, we rejoice in the Lord. And because he never changes, joy can be all ways. Happiness, in a way, I say is cosmetic. Now, I don't mean fake by that. I, I just mean happiness is more of an external description because happiness usually refers to the fact there's a smile on your face. And smiles on your face are good. You guys look better when you smile, by the way. No, really. 
You, you look better. You, you look better when you smile. But joy is not something external. Joy is not cosmetic. Joy is character. Joy is an inside job. It is a work going on from within us. Happiness is like a thermometer. It's affected by the surroundings. Joy is like a thermostat. It affects your surroundings. Happiness usually evaporates in times of trouble. Joy often intensifies in times of trouble. Now, don't get me wrong, it's okay, it's great, in fact, when joy and happiness work together, that's great. But when happiness leaves the room, it is joy that has the ability to stay in sunshine and in rain, or in our case, snow, lots of snow. Rejoice always. The command is made real by a promise. And the promise is what we're studying here. It is the superpower from the Spirit who lives within us, who will carry us through. Joy is not the subtraction of our problems. Joy is the addition of power that enables you to walk through your problems. Now, it is no fun to live without power. We know that after the last 24, 48 hours, all right? How many people have been without power? I'm just curious. How many people have been without power? Even if it's 15 minutes, you're, you get to raise your hand. Okay, cool, Most, almost everybody. We were without like 13, 14 hours at our house. It, it was quite a while of being without power. And we're not used to that. We are not pioneer people. And the last 14 hours or so proved that, all right? It, it was funny because after a while, uh, me and my wife Jennifer and, and Nick, my son, and, and Kayla, we're, we're, we're just all gathered in the living room because that's where the fireplace is, all right? And basically, we're down to that's the only thing that works. That's all that works. There, there's no internet, so people are losing their mind, Right? There's no internet. We have been cut off from the world, right? There's no electricity, so there's no heat. And at one point, all of a sudden, our cell phones went out. Like, quit working for hours and hours. They quit working. Well, as soon as they quit working, I jokingly said, well, we are officially off the grid. And Nick, without missing a beat, says... We are slowly dying. <laughs> Promise. He never smiled. He, never, he just said it. I mean, it was beautiful. We are slowly dying. And we all laughed just like that. I know that there are times that you feel. Jeff, all this talk about joy, man, if you just knew my circumstances, you don't. If you knew what it was like to live in my house, Jeff, if, if you knew what it was like to live with my spouse, Jeff, if you knew what it was like dealing with my kids, Jeff, if, if you knew my finances, if you knew my health, if you knew my loss, if you knew my pain, if you knew my tears, if you knew my heartache, I am slowly dying. 
And that's why today I am just really excited for you to hear about a promise from God. It's what Jesus and those who have followed him have lived, and you can too. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul, one of those early followers of Jesus who, who literally gave his life because of what he believed about Jesus. I want you to listen to some of these texts, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, here's what he says, I have spoken to you with great frankness, I take great pride in you, I am greatly encouraged, check out this phrase, in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. That's quite a statement. In all my troubles, he says, my, my joy, it is not contained. It, it knows no bounds. And when, when the Apostle Paul talks trouble, he's got a list that none of us can match. I mean, we're talking about a man who spent prison time multiple times in his life because he follows Jesus. He has been beaten more times than we can count because of following Jesus. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be, you know, shipwrecked. I mean, over and over, and yet this is the man who in a prison at midnight, there was Silas. And he is singing praises to God. Okay, that ain't natural. No, it's supernatural. The superpower to rejoice always. Check out this one, Hebrews Chapter 10, I, I tend to think that Paul also wrote, this is a debate, but I, I think he also wrote this. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully, check this phrase, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You, you, ever, you ever gone home and suddenly realized that somebody's been there before you and they decided to help their self to all your stuff? I remember as a kid, going home one time and realizing that somebody had broken into our house and like took mo most of our stuff. That was a weird feeling, right? What, what, if, what if today, right, you, you got, I shouldn't say that, that'd like send some of y'all, but if today you got home and suddenly somebody had broken into your house and like took all your stuff, the question is what would happen to your joy? In this text, these people, their stuff's being confiscated because they are Jesus followers. And this is just, this is, this is persecution. This is people taking from them because of that. The point that is being made here is that when you have joy, Paul's saying no one holds the key to steal the treasure of my joy. They can take everything else that I have, but they cannot take joy. 1 Thessalonians, let me give you one more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message, you ready, in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. A joy that is triumphant in trouble. A joy that lasts in loss. 
a joy that is strong in suffering, he says here. And all of that made possible by the Spirit who gives you joy. But what difference does this make? He continues, verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers. You had an effect on the believers around you. In Macedonia and Achaia, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. The the, the point is, joy is critical. It, It is critical to living for Jesus. And, he says, it is critical to your witness for Jesus. What, what, what we just heard, what we're talking about here is not something that would be nice to have. This, this is essential to living the Jesus life. This is supernatural power for living above your circumstances. you got to have this. You're going to go through struggles. You're going to have heartache. It is this supernatural joy that enables you to, to keep going and to live above that. It is critical. If I mean, If all people do is see you frown and complain, and where is the Jesus in that? He says, this is critical to your witness. It is a consistent theme all throughout Scripture. Old Testament, Nehemiah, chapter 8, he says it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then you get to the New Testament, and of course we've been looking at what Paul says, but another place that he says it's in Romans chapter 12, be joyful in hope. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. Now hope in the Bible means confidence. Hope in the Bible is not a, I I hope this happens, not a maybe so. It's a confidence based on God's word that no matter what happens, all things are working together by God, for his glory, and for our good. I'm convinced that the saddest word I know is hopeless. Because when I watch people who are hopeless, they die. Joy changes all that. So by now, it ought to be that you're saying, okay, how do I get that? I'm convinced. I hear it. It's everywhere, beginning to end. The, the, the significance of joy, obviously, throughout the text. How do I get it? Let's go there. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want you to hear what Jesus says. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. I I like that. It's the reminder that he's not talking about giving us a joy that's like his joy. He's literally saying, my joy, I'm going to put in you. My, My presence in you, I'm giving you my joy. It's like, okay, still, how do I get it? Well, look at what the text says. I have told you what? This, little word. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be full. So the question is, what is this? Because apparently this is the answer to how do we get this joy. So 
beep, beep, beep. We back up and we answer, what is this? Well, if you back up in John chapter 15, we land in verse 4. And this is what he tells us. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's, that's fruit talk. That's, what, that's what's going on in this series. Apart from me, you can do some, nothing. And I think we hear that and we go, well, nothing. I don't know if I would go that far. Apart from you, I, I can do nothing. But before we get too high and mighty, the, the question just simply needs to be asked, what does a branch do that is not connected to the vine? What can a branch do that is not connected to the vine? It's like, well, it, it's a stick, right? I, I guess it could, it could start a fire. And that's exactly what Jesus says. Check it out. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. All right, that's pretty clear. But the question is, what, what does that mean? What, what does he mean when he's saying, remain in me? If our joy is tied to this, and he's saying, you got to remain in me, some of your translations may say abide. It's a word abide. We, we, we don't use that all that much. But it's like, what, if, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, here's a part of what I think Jesus means here. I think in part, Jesus is speaking about complete dependence. And in this text, complete de dependence is anchored in this phrase, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches exist for just one purpose, the vine. That's it. The branches exist for just one reason. Not one and a half, not two, not three, just one reason. The branches exist for the vine. That's it. It is a full surrender, a complete dependence on the vine. There is a, a great old English preacher, lived a long time ago. His name was F.B. Meyer. And we still read a lot of his stuff and devotions, and he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was good. And uh, one of the stories that he is famous for, one of the stories of his life is this search for joy. And he talks about being on this search and some things happen and, and, and all of a sudden he ends up on this one night where he says, I, I, look, I'm going into my room, I'm going to lock the door and tonight I'm going to settle this. God, I want the joy that I read about in your word. I want to know it. And he said, on that night, he said, it was like God gave him this imagery. Uh, it was as though F.B. Meyer was presenting to God this bunch of keys all the keys of his life. And he said it was as though God said to him, is that all of them? And Meyer said, I knew there was one key. 
And he said, I honestly said, Lord, you, you know. You know there's that one little key. It is just a small cabinet. It is, it is so insignificant to the rest of this bunch of keys. And, and he said that the Lord said to him, I, I want it all. And he said that night, as he knelt there by his bed, he said, I, I said as honest as I knew how to God, God, I don't have the strength to give you this key. I'm asking you to take it. And he said on that night, it was as though God loosened the fingers of his grip and God showed him what was connected to that key of his life. He said, I saw that sin like I had never seen it before. He said, on, on that night, my desire for that sin, it died in my heart. And from that moment on, he said, my life became a quiet confidence. I like those words. Quiet confidence. Because he said, for the first time in my life, I absolutely knew I was completely his. Complete dependence. Today, maybe the image is not keys, maybe... The image in our day would be passwords, I don't know. But the question is, to rem or the issue is to remain in him, the question becomes, is that all? Is that all? And as painful as it may seem to even say to him, God, I don't have the strength to let this go, but will you take it? Now, I would recommend not saying that if you don't mean it. But Myers had come to the place in his life that he, he meant it. God, I'd rather you take it than for me to hold on to this for the rest of my life. Quiet confidence. It's what comes from complete dependence. I think in this text, when Jesus says, remain in me, he's also speaking of rest. He's speaking of rest Check out this verse, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. It is this most amazing truth that he loves you. And so you rest in this truth. I mean, imagine having a conversation with a branch. I was going to bring a branch with me today to have a conversation with, but then I realized in order to bring the branch, I would have to separate the branch from the vine. And most of it was frozen anyway. And so it just wasn't a good day to bring a branch. So you just have to imagine. Imagine a conversation with a branch. And the branch is looking at us saying, you humans think you are so intelligent, but you are always running around with no rest. You're also smart, but most of the time, no rest. And we say, okay, Mr. Branch, then how do you do it? Right? How, how does this work for you? And he says, I have reduced my concerns to just one. It is to remain in the vine. You say, what do you mean? He says, this is what I mean. When it's summer and I need water, 
I don't worry. That's the vine's job. And I know that he puts his roots deep into the ground and he draws that water that is needed for my wilted leaves. When it's summer and I need water, I don't worry because the vine supplies. And when it's spring and it's time for those, those buds to bloom, right? If we're going to go anywhere with this, he, he says, I, 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 don't, I don't worry about that because that's, that's, that's not my job. I, I just connect to the vine. I just remain in the vine. That's his job, to, to produce the buds that then will bloom. And then when it's harvest time, I don't, I don't worry about the grapes. I don't worry about how big, how little. I don't worry about how many, how few, because I don't produce the fruit. That's what the vine does. The grapes belong to the vine, not to me. You humans think you are so intelligent, but you are always rushing around with no rest. Have you forgotten? You are loved by God. Remain in the vine. A couple more. I think Jesus is also talking about obedience when he says, remain in me. He talks about obedience in verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. There's an old song. Today feels like old song day. I'm remembering a lot of songs. But, but I remember, uh, again, when, when a long time ago we used to sing this song, there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and Obey. And that's what, that's what he's saying here. You, you can't have love without trust. And the evidence of trust is that you obey. Jesus says it in another place, chapter before, in John chapter 14. He says it like this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Check this out. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Can I tell you a part of how he shows you himself is his joy. It's his joy that is supernaturally present in your life, which takes us full circle to the last part, the last thing that I think Jesus means when he's talking about remain in me is he's talking about rejoicing. This is where we started. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, that it may be full. In your heartaches, Jesus says you have my joy. Again, this is not joy like his. It is actually his joy in you. And so he says rejoice. Guys, that's a part of why we come together. That's why we come together weekly. The point is not just for you to show up and get some information. Now hopefully you get some information, right? Critical stuff like the real shortest verse in the Bible, right? 
We don't just come together in order to get information. A part of the reason we come together is that it will call our hearts together to rejoice. And when we rejoice, it is like this trigger in us that reminds us of what supernaturally lives within us. It is this joy. Sometimes during the week, it's kind of hard at times to to call yourself to rejoice, you, you feel like the power's out sometimes. But when we come together and, and, and songs, right, that, that lead us to, to remember his love and, and how strong he is and how big he is, it, it is the trigger for us. Man, I hope you don't just come here, right, hoping to get information and then when you get new information you feel like something is, no, you, you come here in part to rejoice. And as you rejoice, it activates that superpower within you. Let me show you this. We're, we're almost done. Hebrews chapter 1. We don't read this too often, but it's a statement that's given to us in Hebrews about who Jesus is. It's referring to who Jesus is. And this is what it says in verse 8, but about the Son... He says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions, right? He is unlike any other. And check out this last line. By anointing you with the oil of joy. And if you trace out that word joy... It is literally the word for joy that is attached to a joy that leaps and dances. That's its meaning. A joy that leaps and dances. Like this is not like the got a little smile kind of joy. This is like the full-on, full-fledged, leaping and dancing kind of joy. And I don't want you to miss who this is. Who's it talking about? Jesus. My point is, this is the kind of joy. This is his joy. And this is what is in us. I think sometimes we so miss this part of the abundant joy of Jesus. We read in scripture and we see all those moments when he's serious and we see when he confronts, but we totally miss at times how joyful. This is the joy of our God. Come on, that, that's going to be hard to top. That, that's going to be hard to fully get your mind around the, the leaping and the dancing, full-fledged joy that's attached to this. Here, here's a part of why I know Jesus had this, even when he's walking on the planet. Because kids wanted to be with him. You notice that when you read it? Kids want to be with him. Kids are a good barometer, man. When kids are attracted to people, it, it, it is often, they know. It's like somehow they know. And there, there is, I, I think there's this aspect of Jesus that the joy that, that even the little ones could sense. Remember how the disciples would often want to push them away because he's too busy. And no, Jesus would take them in and he would, you, you, you see the image of he holds them in his lap. There, there is this joy. It is a joy that leaps and dances. This is his joy, and this is what is in you.
in the Gospel of Luke. We're told about a day where after those followers have been tracking Jesus for a period of time, they've been watching him, they've been listening. We're told about a day where he sends them out two by two. It says that he sends them out to the towns ahead of him. He's going to be going to these towns, but these 72, he divides them up and he sends them out and, and, and they're going to proclaim, right, the, the, the kingdom and, and, and miracles are going to take place and, and sure enough, that, that's exactly what happens. And it says that they came back to Jesus with joy. It says it in the text. They came back to Jesus with joy, reporting that even the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. When they leaned on the authority of Jesus, at the authority of Jesus' name, even the demons had to respond. I can see there would be joy, couldn't you? I can see why they're experiencing some joy in all of this, going, whoa, this power's real. This power's real. And come on, I think there are times in ministry, I think there are times when you serve that you see the power of Jesus unfold, you see supernatural things happen, and there is a joy in you. But I want you to listen to what Jesus told them. Check this out. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Whoa. Jesus says that, that that's cool that the, that the demons obey, but don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Joy is superpower, and it is given by the Spirit. But having that joy begins with a choice. It begins with choosing Jesus. It would be wrong for me to talk about joy today without asking this question, can you rejoice because your name is written in heaven? Our names aren't written in heaven because of great things that we do. Our, our name is written in heaven when we completely surrender, completely depend. Jesus, you are my king and you are my savior. That is how our names are written in heaven. So no matter how big the stuff you're going through today, man, the place to begin is do I belong to Jesus? Nothing happens with the branch unless it's connected to the vine. How do you connect to the vine? You, you call out to Jesus in trust to say, I, I want you. I want you, Jesus, more than anything else, and here's all the keys. Jesus, here's all the passwords. I want to know this joy. 
This is bigger than Happy New Year. This is Happy New Life. Yes, there will still be struggles. Yes, there will still be heartaches. But joy, joy will be supernatural. Yeah, but Jeff, you don't know what I'm going through, man. I told you, you don't, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know my stuff. You know what's amazing to me about when Jesus spoke the words of John chapter 15? He speaks the words of John chapter 15 when he is literally just steps away from a dark Gethsemane and a bloody Calvary. You can't get worse circumstances than that. You can't get darker. You can't get heavier. You, you can't get worse than that. And that's the moment when he says, let me tell you about joy. It is to abide in the vine. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. God, we come together on a day that um, I think for a lot of people feels um, disjointed, um, things a little bit off in terms of, God, whether it's power at our homes or navigating roads that are kind of messy, and God, it's just one of those moments where everything is a little bit chaotic. God, I think it's often in, in these kind of moments when there's a little bit of disruption in our, in our routine, a little bit of disruption in how we do things. That God, These are often the moments that um, you kind of slow us down and we hear. And God, that's my prayer today is that we truly can hear, God, what you are saying to us in this most incredible text today, God, a joy that is real. And my prayer is that for every person in this room today, for every person that, that, that's going to hear this eventually, um, God, this is, this is not just the appearance of joy. This is not just because we got external stuff going on around us. No, God, th this is the real thing, a work from the inside out. I pray for those who need to believe God, some for the first time, a complete dependence. I pray for those who say they have given you keys, they say they have given you passwords, but there's still some they hold on to today, God. Will you, will you take them? God, I pray that today some would remember that they are loved, completely loved. God, today, May we again, may we again know what it is to rest in you, our strong God. God, as you speak, as you draw, 
God, help us to trust. I thank you for what you do today. It's in the name of Jesus that I thank you.